last time on D&D. Is there anything else you can tell us about this great nations, countries, houses? have yearned for it for years leading up to the day of mourning. We're expected to bring it back. Are we going to be able to do that with just the three of us? Well, if everything goes according to plan, it won't just be you three anymore. The Grey Dogs will be alive and well. <laughs> you guys are very familiar with the Fireweave Bazaar? Just like we remember, huh? I don't know what I remember anymore. We make our way into the bazaar. You notice tucked away in the back shelves, skittering around, the small, peering eyes of a pseudo-dragon, staring directly at Erd's lower pocket. Orange Eyes presents a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition campaign. DM'd by Alex LaFerrier. Starring Andrew Gallagher playing Erd. Ian Selig playing Garum. And John Selig playing Graf. Eberron Chronicles, Oracle of War, Season 2. 10. Zirinthir, Midwinter, the month of the storm. Wow. After you guys have unsuccessfully gathered supplies around the shops of salvation, you're about to head into the Mornland to Kalazart in search of the Grey Dogs. I'm surprised. When you see down one of the alleyways of Salvation, a carriage, this finely crafted carriage, normally drawn by pack horses or other pull animals, it's reinforced by metal and has a slight purple sheen to it. No pack animals are currently fastened to it at the moment. It seems in wait. This carriage is being loaded by Bryn and Visani of the Gentry. They look like they're packing up for another adventure. Well, that's pretty extravagant, don't you think? I wonder if we can uh, knock it down a few pegs, guys, huh? Like the old days with Callie. Looking over to, to Graf and Garum. Graf just grumbles like, nah. are they worth it? Oh, maybe we could uh, take a wheel out, you know, put a stick in the spokes, so to say. Maybe lift something off of them, make it a little bit more difficult for them. I feel like at one time, didn't we say that there could be the possibility of joining up with them? Yeah having them help us get through the Mornland? They may get that far. We don't know. We can't trust anybody around here. Why not uh, set the odds in our favor? As he looks over to to Graf, is usually the more mis- mischievous of the two. Graf's confused. So we're just back to that moment. The carriage has a side door, which you can enter into this finely crafted carriage and a hatchback in which Bryn and Visani are loading crates. They're clearly well-sponsored. They stick out over here, huh? I mean, everybody, as he looks around around him, you know, all the ramshackle people desperate around Salvation. These guys are pretty well-connected here. It's kind of sticking out a little bit, if you guys think, huh? The cart's nicer than every house I've ever lived in. It's reinforced by metal. and has a slight purple sheen to it. You see that kind of purple sheen? Do you think that's just paint, or do you think it's kind of magical. Maybe they don't need horses. Graf's curious now, so he inches a little closer and tries to figure out what that purple glow is. Just then Graces sticks his head out of the side door. Come on now, we don't have all day. Terrible news from House Vidalis. Seems they won't have our pack animals here in time for our quest to Calizart. We're going to be a slight delayed. Graf, make a perception roll. Twelve. And then I, I linger a little longer to try and see if I can pick up anything else they're talking about. 
They start discussing their plans. Seems they're a little backed up without the House Vidalis pack animals to pull this carriage. Yelling to Vizani and Bryn. Arulian's not going to be happy with us today. Seems House Vidalis isn't pulling through in their weight. We won't have our pack animals in time. I'm listening still. And Vizani perks up. Aw, oh, man, I'm going to have to go out and find something suitable for us. Maybe I can draw some monsters out from the Mornland. Uh, it's not something I'd like to do, but if it gets us on the road in time. Seems like you'll be able to leave Salvation before the Gentry. Okay. Because we were assuming they were ahead of us, right? We had no idea. We maybe, yeah. What do you do? I guess I'll slink back to my, my friends and, and tell them what I heard. They hit a snag and they can't leave town just yet, so we might be able to get the edge on them. Seems like a sabotage is needed. Seems like the forces are working in our favor. Maybe the forces of sabotage are working in our favor. Do you think anyone in Salvation could be helping us? I don't know. We just struck out all these different shops and these gentry guys are taking everything, so I don't know. Luck's breaking our way this time. I say let's get a move on. Or do you think they could have anything in that carriage that might be useful to us? You're speaking my language, Garam. I thought you'd never say that. Well, I'm not the biggest fan of these guys. Thought about perusing. Why don't we take an old little uh, sneaky, sneaky look here? Yeah, Erd, you seem like the one to gracefully <laughs> and deftly sneak into a enemy carriage. Yeah, of course, my stature. So Erd starts slinking against the wall and, you know, trying to be a little stealthy. I just look at them both dumbfounded. Graf just like does the Homer thing and disappears into the bushes. With Bryn looking over her tome and Vazani taking off to the edges of salvation, looking for pack animals to pull the carriage. You could easily slip up to the carriage and steal something. What do you do? I'm just going to kind of peek so I can get a vantage point through that little, uh, the, the door that's down just to see if I can look inside and search to see if there's anything that I can just kind of quickly lift or nab and, make a hightail out of there yep you see gracis pouring over more notes he's distracted and you see a crate can i do an investigation just to see you know is there one certain one that i think that is you know better than the other yep make an intelligence investigation roll 15 erd you noticed amongst the simple crate the shape of a bottle of carnathy gin erd just kind of connections start flowing in his brain and feeling what that felt like when he had it and he's like that's those bastards must have got that shipment too and he's gonna kind of reach over and slink the bottle out of the out of the vet as, as carefully as he can making sure not to clink into the other ones and puts it in his inside pocket of his jacket and starts moving his way out slowly against the wall heard you've plundered a bottle of carnathy gin and he looks over to Garam and, uh, and Graf. Yeah, nothing to see here, boys. They got nothing. Let's get a move on. I'm quite surprised, Erd, that they didn't have anything of use in there. But, I mean, you're the master thief, so... Why don't you take a look for yourself? Not a quiver of arrows, not a potion. I don't know. It's, uh, it was too risky. I couldn't take anything. And, you know... Graf's considering maybe just... Maybe taking a look himself. Should I... Uh, can I... Do you think it's too late? Or can I make it? An attempt. You can. You're just going to have to roll a dexterity stealth this time around. All right. That seems fair. You also remember Scrappy Boy just as a possibility if I got diversion. Mm. But they'll remember Scrappy. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Yeah. They definitely will not forget Scrappy. So, yeah. 
I know. If you use him as a diversion. I don't think they're going to forget us either. <laughs> All right. I mean, Erd, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go take Scrappy. I want you to walk 20 yards away. And I want you to play with Scrappy, but look like you're getting devoured. Can you do that? Yeah, sure. All right. So I'm going to do that in the view of the gentry. So like in front of them. Yeah, but like to draw their attention away from the cart for a minute. Okay, 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 great. So Erd's walking along with, with Scrappy Boy, and he's making it seem like, you know, because we ran into the gentry a couple of times, that he's looking for supplies, and he's he's running with Scrappy, and he's looking around, and uh, all of a sudden, with, with Scrappy, Scrappy gets a little aggressive, and he starts kind of, uh, you know, attacking Erd. He's, what are you doing, man? It's, it's crazy. Hey, get back, get back. What are you? <laughs> As he's wrestling with the mutt. Roll it with advantage. And I roll. Okay. Oh, there we go. A 20. Erd, as you're wrestling with Scrappy, it draws the attention of Bryn and Graces from the carriage. And he pokes his head out, and Bryn picks up her eyes from the tome, and both of them depart the carriage. Now what's going on here? What is this? Oh, little orc. Are you tussling with... Our Iron Defender? What are you doing with this thing? This is ridiculous. You spend all that time and effort making this thing and stealing it from us, and now you can't even control it? Oh my god, this is embarrassing. I immediately run over and shove both of those gentry out of the way and like try to push them to the ground. Bryn and Gracious, not expecting to be T-boned by someone out of the blue, collapses to the ground in a pile of cloth and metal armor. <laughs> What's the meaning of this? And then I just pick up the dog. And I'm like, bad dog, what are you doing? It's God dang thing. Stay. And then I start growling at him. Have you no decency? How dare you sidewind us like this? <laughs> and Scrappy's flailing wildly as you pick up the big heavy iron defender as best as you can. And you both manage to scuttle off. Graf, you managed to secure a simple wooden chest with 12 gold pieces and three potions of healing. Yeah, I'm out. I got the chest. I'm telling you, you got to get a control over this thing, as he argues with Garam. What are you doing? I told you. This damn thing keeps messing with me. I'm sorry. Don't look so tasty. And then I just show up. Gentlemen, gentlemen, it's fine. I'm back. Come on, Scrappy. And the three of us just walk away. What are you doing with our Iron Defender? Stop on a dime. Turn around. Eyes flash. Clearly, you can't handle such a magical construct. You guys need to learn how to control this thing. Clearly, it's well beyond your means. I can't let that go. And why would you say that this is yours? Well, clearly, the likes of you three can't handle such a fine, magical creature. Bryn here has quite the magical capabilities. I'm sure she could handle the magic essence. We knew those goblins had their interest misaligned. If only they knew our power and capability. We could be the rightful owners of this fine Iron Defender. We would put it to good work. It could pull this carriage for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Graf just smiles and nods. And Come now. Have some decency. I'm just delighting in the fact that I have something that you need. Uh, Guilford, was it? Any offer we provide you is surely well beyond your means. How much coin? Look at you three struggling. Perhaps 12 gold will be satisfactory. I'm sorry, but do you know what this thing is worth? We could put that Iron Defender to work. You know, Grapist, I think if 
you would stop for a moment and consider an alternative strategy, we might both be able to get what we want. Would you consider a collaboration? <laughs> a collaboration with the likes of you three? I really would have no part of that. Clearly the gentry is capable without the likes of you. I suppose you're right. And you know what? It's getting late and we're going to set out for the Mornland right now. So I'm sure we'll see you there, right? <laughs> yes. Go ahead. Take a head start. So I just shake my head and turn back around the direction I was going and start walking. But as I walk away, I just kind of snap my finger and a prestidigitation hand just kind of slaps him in the back of the Ooh. head. And I just keep walking. Grace's hair puffs up, messing up his dew. We stole their healing potions. So it's not just about us getting healing potions. They lost their healing potions. So that should have an effect on them. So I'm hoping we'll find some... Dead gentry? Gentry corpses, yeah. <laughs> the gentry. <laughs> I like that dead gentry. By besting the gentry and stealing their potions of healing... You all gain one hero point. Garum, roll a d20 to see the effects of the Mornland. I got a 10. Graf, roll a d6. Yikes. <laughs> one. During your travels through the Mornland, you navigate between twisted crags burnt trees, hollowed out villages that are left completely empty. During this time, Graf, you wade through a small silver pool, and as you exit the other side, you have more wrinkles on your face, your hair is a little bit longer, and you seem to have aged one year. Is this because my birthday was yesterday? <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Erd has these swirling nonstop voices around his head. Graf, you've aged one year. Garum seems to have no lingering effects from the Mornland. Kalazart. Navigating your way to the Fireweave Bazaar, you come across familiar sights in the city you used to call home. Some of these places jog your memories, while others seem to be a blast from the past. All right, Erd, roll a d6. One. Erd, as you're walking through Kalazart, you see on the city walls the eternal banner blowing in the wind. This eternal banner blows in the wind despite there being no breeze whatsoever. Erd just stands there looking at the banner blowing and... Yeah. This banner once had vibrant colors for the city of Kalazart. Now it looms in a dull, gray, monochromatic pattern. A blowing white flag in the wind. It feels like everything in this place just slowly turning to gray. The, the color getting pulled out, the life getting pulled out. But still, specifically in Kalazart, there's still some life around us, some remnants around us. And to see this banner... It reminds Ur of this duality of the the humanity that's still here, but everything that's gone away. And he's also brought back to seeing this banner as he's, you know, gone around these streets, as he's grown up, as he's been through all these different trials and tribulations. And it's both uh, settling and unsettling at the same time. 
This city used to be so vibrant and filled with activity. And now, you're wondering if all hope is lost. And as the flag wavers in this eternal breeze, your eyes just lay upon this symbol of surrender. You're wondering if Kalazart has been brought to its knees. If Kalazart is signaling surrender, what would make Erd fly a white flag? Garam, roll a d6. Two. Garam, you come across Beast Street. This diverse, rustic part of town is closer to a forest within this urban sprawl with all kinds of beast folk that used to live here. What do I see when I look down that street? You see trees that are just skeletons, burnt out husks. Everything is charred and looks to be sharp and penetrating. Limbs of these trees and leaves are just fallen to the wayside, burnt out. If I look around, can I see Graf and Erd? They're off in the distance. From my time before, I've been down this street a few times because it was one of the few areas where you could still feel like you were in the wilderness. But now seeing it so dead and discolored and and falling apart, I I want to go investigate more. I want to walk down that street and see if there is any hope, any source of life, any little sapling sprouting from the ground. So I walk down the street and I look for any sign of new life. What was once a little slice of nature in this urban sprawl is now just dead husks of trees. Do I find anything interesting? At the base of some of these burnt out, charred, skeleton-like limbs, you see dried pieces of bark stripped from their trunks scattered about. I pick up a piece of bark. Does it still seem like normal tree bark? Does it seem withered? Is it crumbling? It's withered and crumbling and ashen, stripped and void of any moisture or life whatsoever. Perhaps it could be crumbled into something. I find a a relatively small piece of bark and trying my best to make sure that I don't crush it, I take it with me. Perhaps it could be made into a fine powder. Graf, roll a d6. Four. Graf, you come across Atar Square, a small market area in the affluent part of the city, whose shops house perfumeries, chandeliers, and other expensive products, including magical perfumes and cosmetics. This square used to boast the finest of clientele and nobles from all across Sire. What did Graf do here? Graf would stick out like a sore thumb here, but I think some of the scents remind him of someone from his past. You catch a heavy whiff of the scent, despite the dull, dead air of Atar Square lingering. You find yourselves in the Fireweave Bazaar. As you search the different stalls and shops, you eventually have found yourself at the Dragon's Horde. Graf, you know that the pseudo-dragon is staring at Erd's pocket. Erd, the little, the little dragon. It's looking at you. It's looking at your pocket. Huh? And he's looking over, looking at the dragon, looking at his pocket. 
or you catch sight of the pseudo dragon whose eyes glow in the darkness of the dragon's hoard shop. And across the distance, you can see its forked tongue flickering out and its wings slowly unfurling as it gently pads its way forward through the clutter, trying to draw its way closer and closer. You feel these emotions emitting, the emotions of danger. And you see Erd's body and his posture, kind of the life comes out of it a little bit. It slumps down a little bit. The energy comes out and he kind of just subtly crumbles up and doesn't have the same posture and confidence as he usually does. And he kind of grabs at the area of the pocket a little bit and slowly starts backing out of the doorway and he's just kind of uh, grumbling to himself as he does it and as he's doing that the the voices in his head are just swirling around as he backs out the door you feel emotions of danger protectiveness as the pseudo dragon slowly draws its way closer attracted by this magic force in your pocket it purrs lightly as it slinks through. It crawls around on the bookshelves and skitters around without disturbing one item whatsoever. You feel its presence within the store. All right, little buddy, I'll bite. Let's see what you got in there. And before you know it, he disappears around a corner in the darkness of his own shop. Graf, you feel some of these emotions as well. Feelings of protectiveness. Feelings of desire. So am I feeling afraid for myself or am I experiencing the pseudo dragon's emotion fear you're feeling the strong presence of emotions it's okay little buddy I'm I'm just here to make friends we can talk and the pseudo dragon is lost in the darkness as he skitters around hiding behind little trinkets and baubles and books and skulls and empty vials and as this is happening Erd's backing away and seeing that was looking towards his pocket knowing you know, the crystal feeling, the, the vibration he felt before. Erd kind of, Erd slips his hand into his jacket and just clutches at the vibrating crystal. Erd, what was once a perfectly round, smooth sphere is now like putty in your hand. It's still solid in its core, but you feel like with your thumb, you could easily just push around a small mass of this liquid glass. It feels weird to have the crystal all of a sudden change structure, but in this moment of of kind of fear and nervousness, he clutches it. And as he clutches it in his hand, the, the crystal kind of oozes out between the cracks of his hand, almost in staying inside of the palm, creating like a, a imprint of the inside of his hand. So it's kind of, it's like around his fingers and it's just like a perfect mold of his hand. Like putty in your fist, it takes shape. You can still feel it hard in its center. Or do you feel like you can transmute this crystal into different shapes and different forms? And you can just feel emotions emanating from within the dragon's horde. Emotions of desire, emotions of lust. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to keep looking for trinkets, but also look to see if I can figure out a way to go wherever the dragon went. I'm curious. Graf is very intrigued by this little guy because 
pseudo dragons can still be dangerous, you know, and he didn't attack us. And it's weird that we felt his apprehension. So it's very interesting. I don't, I don't know what to make of it. So I want to find out more. You're feeling feelings of uncertainty as this pseudo dragon is moving around within the shop. Erd's slowing down a little bit now that he doesn't see the dragon and is feeling less afraid and ungrasps the crystal and sees Graf looking around and feels the life coming back to him in his normal inquisitive sense and kind of whispers over to Graf, Graf, you see anything over there? Oh, the little dragon ran away, but I'm not seeing anything else yet. I'm trying to find him. Oh, you think there's anything useful in this thing? I mean, if it's if it's, if it's it's in here and guarding it, maybe there's something, something good around here we could use, huh? Wouldn't be surprised. Um, my dragon friend, we... We come in peace. We just want to learn more about... Your words echo in the empty Dragon's Horde shop. What do you have here? Why are you so nervous? No response. Do we have anything to offer it? If these little guys collect interesting trinkets, do we have any interesting trinkets? So Erd reaches into his pocket and just grabs the crystal, but he's not letting anybody see it, and underneath his jacket, he's kind of moving it up and letting a little glimpse of it come out. Erd, as you look deeper into the dragon's hoard, where you think the pseudo-dragon is, you catch it out of the corner of your eye against the wall where you're standing. It seems to have creeped around. And it takes the crystal and slides it out of his jacket and it's molded to his hand and he just holds it right in front of his chest as he's looking around and he's a little defensive at the moment and is ready for something. Erd, as you slowly reveal the crystal, a faint light emanates from it. With every inch you unveil, the pseudo-dragon slowly takes a step forward, crawling its way along the wall where you stand, your gaze deeper into the dragon's hoard is met with darkness, but again, out of the corner of your eye, you catch the activities of this pseudo-dragon as it's transfixed by the light of your crystal, and its tongue slowly flickers in and out, and its wingspan slowly unfurls. Erd just grasps the, the crystal even more and even stronger, and is it still in the, the putty state? It's slightly gooey. And he's grabbing the crystal even harder in this putty type state and it's molding even more to his hand as it squeezes out between the cracks of his fingers as he just clutches it even more and wants to keep it and the the, the feeling of, of possession just overwhelms him out of the corner of his eye like he's still looking where he th- thought it was but he's he's perceptually you know with this peripheral vision and perception knows where it is around him and he's not letting it go but he's also keeping an eye on this pseudo-dragon and he thinks to himself, huh, this thing wants it this bad. Huh, I wonder why. What do you got there, Erd? It's, uh, it's my, it's what Callie gave me. You know, you, your journal, I, I have this crystal. As he clutches it even more. <laughs> sure. And the pseudo-dragon is drawing closer and closer and closer. Its gaze just lost in this twinkling light of your crystal. Erd just looks right at it, yeah. And he's ready. If it gets one inch closer, he is going to take his hand and he's going to grab it around its neck. Graf, you see on the back wall the pseudo-dragon drawing closer and closer to Erd. 
and it looks at you, and it looks at Erd, and its tongue slowly flickers out. Easy. Touching the crystal. Easy. Licking it ever so slightly. And he just takes his hand and smacks the tongue away. Get back, you! And the pseudo-dragon recoils and draws back and skitters around the wall and back onto the bookshelf, its wings unfurled fully. And Erd flashes back in his memories to his pro wrestling days at the Trolls Nose Inn and times where things weren't going right. He's grabbed this crystal and he's used it to, to console him after a, a match he's won or after a fix that went horribly wrong or after getting chased by debtors. This has been the one constant in his life and tying it back to coming back to salvation to try to find Callie and it's been his rock and he's not letting it go and he's not going to give it up. It's tied to Callie, right? Well, she gave it to me. I mean, you still carry your journal around. Graf just takes out his book and just flips through a couple pages. The pseudo-dragon is uninterested. And Erd's feeling the crystal still close to his chest and it's now being pushed into his chest and flattening against it but still squirting out between the cracks in his fingers. You're feeling emotions of anger and frustration from the pseudo-dragon as it skitters away and glares at you from the shelf. It wants this thing but Erd's not going to give it up. And you can just feel daggers from its eyes. I was hoping it could lead us to Callie. She could be here. We don't know. So we could. I mean, Erd does not want to lose this thing, but this dragon seems to want it. So potentially Erd could give it to the dragon and see what happens, but he will likely want it back. So does this dragon just want to keep it? Erd, just give it to him. We can follow him and find out what he wants. Well, that's reassuring, Graf. And he looks over to Graf and asks him, well, you know, maybe we can have take a look at it, but you gotta back me up. And he looks down at the Scrappy, and you got it too, boy. <laughs> and Erd takes the crystal again, and he's like, all right, you. Is this what you want? And he holds it out, looks around to see if the pseudo-dragon will come back. Erd, as you extend the crystal to the pseudo-dragon, it's spiked tail extends from the shelf it sits on and wraps around the crystal, drawing it closer. And its eyes glow bright, and its mouth smiles and grimaces, and it's lost into the crystal that bears the shape of your clenched fist. And it seems to squeeze it and morph it within its tail, placing it ever so slightly on the shelf next to it. And the pseudo-dragon curls up next to this crystal like a cat. Graf puts an arm around Erd. Oh, that's felt better than I thought, huh? But I, I don't know. I I still like that crystal and kind of like that dragon. You did a good deed. Erd's going to try to see if he can walk back over to the shelf where the, uh, the crystal's on. And he's going to get close to it and go up to the dragon. Like a cat with its recent catch, the pseudo dragon toys with the crystal on the shelf. And as you approach it, it turns to you and it smiles that pseudo dragon smile and bites at a little name tag that's on the shelf with a simple name nimble etched upon it nimble nimble how, how you doing and he reaches out a little finger to nimble and just sees what he does and the little forked tongue snakes out and curls around earl's finger licking it oh and Erd is charmed in a way you've never seen him before <laughs> buy me a drink first how you doing how, how bad 
All right. And he goes to see if he can grab the crystal, and he's like, hey, friend, you like this crystal so much. I like it too. How about we come together and be together, huh? We can keep these feelings going. And as he reaches out the, his hand to see if it's still friendly. The pseudo dragon's head tilts a little bit by these words as it contemplates it deeply. Roll a charisma persuasion with advantage. First one's a one. Second one is a four. The pseudo dragon's head cocks left and right as it thinks. And then its spiked tail scoops out a small pea-sized bead from the crystal as it slowly solidifies and it hands it over to you. Hmm. As he grabs it, takes it, puts it in his pocket. You want to come with me, huh? And he tries to persuade him again, sees what his reaction is. Erd, as you pose the question, you feel these feelings of longing, of desire, of need. And they are emotions not from the pseudo-dragon. You feel it deep within yourself. And as the feelings of longing and desire come back to Erd, he's reminded of why he's there. Uh, it's for Callie. It's to, to, to find the gray dogs. And he remembers his mission and looks back to the pseudo-dragon and, you know, you keep good guard of that thing, okay? I'll be back for you, all right? We'll leave here together. Maybe. If you want to come back with us, all right? Get you out of here. The pseudo-dragon picks up the remaining fist-like crystal and scutters off deeper into its shelves, hiding amongst its other trinkets and goods. And Nerd's going to start backing away and backing out of the room. As you back away, the dragon's horde shop shrouded in darkness. You can just see the faint glow of the crystal deep within it and the gentle purr of Nimble as he curls up next to his new find. Is that how we wanted that to go? <laughs> What's the holdup in there? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Let's get going. Mm. Are you almost done in there? My bow arm's getting tired. Yeah, let's get going. Come on, Graf. <sighs> Bummer. There you are in the Fireweave Bazaar. The, the rug hasn't moved. I, I think it's okay as long as we don't go back in that room. Let's do it. Did you guys find anything interesting? We almost made a dragon friend, but no dice. Oh. Yeah, I gave him a piece of uh, something I had, or Callie gave me. Uh, maybe we'll come visit him on the way back. It'd be great to see him. Maybe you're more charming than me, Garum. He does have a way with the animals. All right, so we are trying to find some gray dogs. Let's keep moving. So we could either go to Ear Talismans or Grand Attire are the two uh, next to the Dragon Sword. Yeah, well, uh, Graf, your clothing no longer looks age appropriate, so why don't we go to the attire place and uh, upgrade your threads, huh? It's just a year, guys. Well, something a little more mature. <laughs> the problem is there's like 15 or 20 rooms. And so far, we've only experienced four of them. What do you do? So we're going to go to the Grand Attire, or I said we just go to the next one. IR Talisons? Yeah, Ear Talisons. Ear is a yeah. denote, denotation of a noble. Let's just go door to door. We're looking for the Grey Dogs, so we got to keep moving, you know? So as you see inside Ear Talisons, it seems like the place has collapsed. Rubble beams of wood and other debris choke the entryway. Seems like people have tried their best to clear it out, to search within it, but otherwise completely inaccessible. Well, I guess we can't go in there. You also see directly opposite that 
A small steel door is set into the wall here, embossed with the Gorgon seal of House Caneth. A sign above it reads, Maintenance Compartment. Well, this looks interesting. Go take a look, Garam. It points to it. I walk over to the door and I see if it'll open. No, it is a completely flat stone door built into the side of the Fireweave Bazaar. But, but it is a door. You can definitely see the slit of a door, yeah, but there's no handle. There's no easy way to access it. I give it a little push. Does it budge at all? It doesn't budge at all. I throw my whole weight on it and give it a shove. It doesn't budge. Well, I did all I could. <laughs> you said it's House Caneth, right? Yep. And the sign above it that reads maintenance compartment. Hey, Scrappy, come here a second. Scrappy lumbers over. Hey, boy. Why don't you try putting your paws up on this door, huh? Can you do that for me? Scrappy gets on its hind legs and front paws are placed on the maintenance compartment door. Do I notice any changes? Nothing changes. All right. Good boy. Thank you. And I give him some pets. Well, I can't get it open. That's two things we can't get open. And I thought that, you know, since it was House Kenneth and they're all about making stuff, maybe if we had our own thing that we made, something would happen. But not a bad idea, actually. Not a bad idea, but I don't know. I, I, I feel like this is maybe not where we're supposed to be right now, but let's keep moving, yeah. On to the grand attire. The grand attire. Onwards. The sign above reads grand attire. Looking inside, you see shelves weighed down by moldy clothes, gloves, and hats. Watch out, there's a carpet there. <laughs> you also see an interesting suit of armor floating about inside the store, picking up some of these moldy clothing, inspecting them in its specter-like form. It has no head or limbs whatsoever, but it seems to be manipulating these clothes, and it floats about, rearranging the store. You hear a voice coming from it as it's adjusting the store. So it doesn't seem to notice me, and I have not crossed over the threshold yet. It ha doesn't seem to have noticed you at all. So I just look to the others, and I say, guys, there's a ghost in here. Is it a gray dog ghost? It's a suit of armor. Oh. It's folding clothes. That is what I thought a suit of armor would do, huh? Or it takes a look around and doesn't seem to be anything of interest in here, huh? Besides this suit of armor. Uh, yeah, aside from that giant floating thing of armor. <laughs> and it floats to the other compartment and holds up a piece of moldy clothes. Oh, yes, purple is so in this year. Kraft's just like, I'm done with this. And he turns around and walks back toward where we came from. Yeah, there he does too. Let's keep him moving. Or maybe ask him if you've seen a gray dog. Who's going to do the asking? You got it. I just shout in from the hallway, leaning in. Um, excuse me. And the suit of armor whips around, holding two pairs of gloves in its gauntleted hands. Yes, so yes, come on in, come on in. We have finest materials around. <laughs> oh, it looks lovely, but unfortunately, we're in a bit of a hurry. Have you seen any others recently? Oh, you are certainly in a hurry for the finest of materials here at the Grand Attire. And he pulls out a measuring tape. We could easily measure you up for the finest suit. Maybe on our way back. Have you seen anyone else here recently? 
We had some of the finest people from Sharn here just the other day. I love suiting up the burliest of orcs. They always give us a good challenge. There were orcs here from Sharn? Oh, they were a, a bright bunch. And hearing this, Erd pops his, his head right above Garum and yells to the suit armor. Would you trust these orcs in anyway, huh? Oh, come right in and I'll show you. You see, we definitely love to don even the most challenging of customers in the brightest of colors. It really brings out their eyes. They were the highest nobles. Never you mind that they were orcs, but they were of a high caliber. They would look lovely at the New Year's ball. You see, out in Sharn, they held the highest esteemed parties. They can't be walking around looking like drab folk, like common folk. Aside from the orcs, have you seen anyone else? In the past week? Yes, we've had the noblest of merchants come through here. They definitely love to drop off the most finest of silks. Come check them out over here. This is the highest fashion of all of Metrol. Please, come on in. Step right in here. And the suit of armor starts floating to the other corner of the shop. And shall I suit you up with some of our finest wares? Step right in. Step right in. Uh, maybe in our- We will definitely stop in on our way back. But for now, I'm afraid we must go. But thank you very much for all of your help in your conversation. You'll be looking like the most desired with the grand attire. And I just walk away. And we keep it moving. (laughs) I said my goodbye. (laughs) So as you start walking more into the Fireweave Bazaar, you approach a dried up fountain in the middle of the marketplace. A glowing elf in flamboyant clothes winks into being nearby. Welcome to the Fireweave Bazaar. Your attire is our, our, our. The illusionary figure suddenly flickers and then repeats itself. Welcome to the Fireweave Bazaar. Your attire is our, our, our. Everyone roll a wisdom check. 12, 13, 17. Without missing a beat, this line resonates in all of your minds. This line is a recognizable line of the Fireweave Bazaar. Welcome to the Fireweave Bazaar. Your attire is our desire. It's like this place is built from our fragmented memories. (laughs) Well, that was odd. Let's keep moving. Welcome to the Fireweave Bazaar. Your attire is our, our, our... And it flickers and resets itself again. All right, this is getting creepy. Let's keep going. Let's keep going, yeah. I don't know. We still haven't found any gray dogs. Yeah, maybe if Callie wants some new attire, we could visit these people over here. But let's keep going. Unless you guys want some new clothing. I don't really trust that flying spectral suit of armor. The thoroughfare narrows here into three mirrored glass corridors. Ghost-like illusions flicker across the curving panes and light up the dark. Models wearing the latest fashions, as of four years ago. Pouncing animals and swirls of flame stand erect in the mirrors ahead of you. This place is freaky. Well, should we choose a path or should we split up? No, let's not split up yet. I've seen a lot of weird stuff. Stronger together, right, Scrappy? So you choose a path and we go, huh? How about over to the left here, as he points to the leftmost passageway. As you start heading into this hall of illusions, the flickering figure behind you again 
Welcome to the Fireweave Bazaar. Your attire is our, our, our. And it flickers again and disappears and re- it repeats again. I'm quite happy with my attire. Like near us or still in the fountain? It's still at the fountain, but as you approach, it lights up again. Welcome to the Fireweave Bazaar. Your attire is our. I just turn our, around and shout, our Desire! Is our desire. The figment breaks out of its loop and says, Special deal on today in the Hall of Illusions. Just ask your reflection for details. And it disappears permanently after that. Huh. Hmm. All right. I can, uh. I'll. I'll try it. So I'll step up to a mirror, I guess. Do, do we see the mirrors? Oh, yes. There's mirrors lining all the hallways of these passages and of different shapes and sizes. You can imagine it's like a literal hall of mirrors reflecting upon itself. And each of the mirrors display different images in ghost-like illusions. I kind of slowly walk up to a mirror that doesn't have anything in it yet. And I look at my reflection. Gonna stand there. It's not there. It's not. It's not there. Okay. Then I don't know what to do. Somebody else want to try? Erd's following right behind him. As Erd steps up, Graf's reflection appears, delayed, and it has enshrouded over it an illusion of the finest fashion of the day mirrored over it. Erd seeing Graf's reflection in these fancy clothing looks back over to the real Graf and just does like an A-B like one, two, one, two and is a bit confused in the moment. Do you see this? Erd pointing over to the reflection to Graf. As Erd says that, Erd's figure enters the mirror dressed in another flamboyant fashion of the day. Big pauldrons on his shoulder and a wig just over his head. So there's two reflections now in the mirror. They're just delayed by 10, 15 seconds. As you're looking one, two, one, two, then your reflection starts looking one, two, one, two. Oh, wow. So Ern's feeling a little disoriented now seeing this and then having that voice coming around his head. And he's also kind of curious and he calls Scrappy. Hey, Scrappy boy. And calls, calls him in. Clink, 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 clink. Scrappy walks up to a mirror standing in front of a smaller squat mirror that has the illusionary figure of a cat. He pounces on it and the the mirror shakes, scaring off the illusionary figure of a cat. And then 10 seconds later, he's startled by his delayed reflection pouncing up on the mirror as well. And he stumbles backwards, knocking over a mirror behind him. And what kind of clothing was he wearing? And now he has like a, a collar around his neck and his paws are just blinged out with gold and silver rings. I kind of like the way we look here, huh? I mean, enough dress up. We have a job to do. Let's go. Before that, though, Graf looks at Graf in the mirror and just says, what's your deal? So the reflection takes 10 seconds to catch up with you. And as it mouths the same thing you just said, it seems to take on a life of its own and starts jumping into the next mirror and then the next mirror down the way, beckoning you, calling you all to follow it. I'm going to follow it, even though I probably shouldn't. And Erd seeing seeing what uh, 
Graf just did. He does the same thing and asks his reflection. Yeah, what's what's the deal today, huh? And he looks over to Scrappy's. What's your deal too? And as you are asking all of these reflections, the deal of the day, they take on that same life and they start bouncing down the passageways ahead of you from one mirror to the next. As Graf follows his own reflection, the hallway takes on this illusionary fragmentation as delayed reflections pop into view with various attires. But that one reflection that you're following continues its way ahead of you, leading you to a spot amongst the mirrors. And as it points to the edge of the mirror, a blank wall slides out, revealing a secret passageway. And seeing the secret passage, uh, Erd yells back, Karam, come on! There's something in here! I'm coming, I just don't want to play around with my reflection. Yeah, we've seen enough of you anyway. You probably don't want to see yourself. Oh, hardy har har. The secret door that opens leads into a passageway that has a small ascending staircase that leads into this old ruined hair salon. Well, uh, Graf, your hair is a little bit longer now, huh? Maybe, uh, get a cut or two, huh? Mm. Lower the ears? I have nothing witty to say to that. We're going to make our way in and peek our heads in to the hair salon. So you can imagine you enter this secret passageway and ascend a staircase that circumnavigates the rest of this hall of illusions and takes you to a balcony that overlooks other aspects of the Fireweave Bazaar. And as we start climbing up that balcony, when Erd realizes their positioning, he signals to Graf to get a little bit low just in case there's anyone watching us and we slink our way up to the balcony and start looking around. This ruined hair salon's filled with a number of knickknacks and other things. Garm, you notice a pristine white rose lying on a bare shelf inside a wall cabinet. Despite the dust surrounding it, the rose's petals are clean, fresh, and fragrant. I immediately rush over to it and stare at it through the glass. It's a beautiful rose, completely white. Guys, how do you think this is still alive? Nothing seems to be right here. I mean, we've seen food that looked perfect. Our food has spoiled as well. This place does crazy things to any type of organic matter, I mean. We saw haunted armor and a magical rug attack us, and you're concerned about a rose? Up until now, we have seen no sign of plant life at all. I've looked. There's been nothing. Maybe that's why this thing is uh, preserved in this uh, state here. This case. Why don't you bring it along with you, then? Maybe you can give it to your friend Becca, huh? So is the rose... You said it's behind a glass case. You could easily access it, yeah. Maybe perhaps this glass case was filled with hair ornaments and barrettes and perfumes, but it is completely bare and all that's left is this white rose. Maybe it was an accent at some point. I slowly try to pick it up. You obtain the rose. It's soft and delicate and its fragrance is so vibrant, especially having been in the Mornland for almost seven days now. Make an intelligence nature check. A non-natural 20. You know that this is a very rare thing. Not a lot of people would know where it's from or its properties. But in your experience and knowledge of nature, you manage to decipher that it's a rare Orioth rose from the distant jungle of Jar Orioth and the elven nation 
of Arinal. As Graf and Erd are slinking about trying to get a vantage on anything that's happening, I just hold my rose like right up to my face and slink back against the wall and kind of sit on the floor, just staring at it, admiring it, smelling it. You really like that rose, huh? Erd and Graf, as you're crouching down towards the edge of the balcony, Erd, you're directing Graf to crouch down and you're looking down the passageways of the Fireweave Bazaar. Make a wisdom perception roll with advantage. First roll is a one. Second roll is 11. Natural 20. Graf, off in the distance, you're looking down into a balcony that's a little bit lower. You're elevated up in this salon, this secret salon that you guys have found. And there ahead of you, you see a Warforged scout looking down the passageways of the Fireweave Bazaar. It doesn't notice you, and you notice it first. Is that one of them? One of who? The Grey Dogs. Ah, oh, I thought one of them was a Warforged. What does he look like? As Ert looks over and sees, what does he look like? The Warforged has no distinguishing marks. It's of complete stone and metal construction, and it's just looking down as if maintaining some semblance of a sentry or scout. What was the name of him? Uh, Sp- uh, Sprocket? Zerd recalls. Let's keep a low profile graph. Agreed. We don't know what this thing needs or what it wants. We, we could just ask. I think I'm getting tired of the sneaking around. Can we just go up to this thing and be like, we're here to help the gray dogs. Are you the gray dogs? A gray dog or not? This is season two of Eberron Chronicles, Oracle of War, DM'd by Alex LaFerrier, played by Andrew Gallagher, Ian Selig, and John Selig, and is an Orange Eyes creative work. This is one chapter of Episode 2, The Voice in the Machine, by Will Doyle. Written as a D&D Adventurers League campaign. Influence this game and story at eberronchronicles.com. Tune in next week when our adventurers encounter... Garam, you've been looking deeply at this white rose that you found. It's just so beautiful. I just hope we're not around when that thing gets reanimated. I'm hearing a bunch of naysaying, but I'm not hearing a lot of solutions. We need to retreat. That's the solution. Let the beast out, Garam. Little spikes from the spine of Scrappy fire out. We're here to to find the gray dogs. We're looking for, for Kali. Are you, are you Sprocket? What is your question? Please rate and subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out. Email the show directly at speakingstone at eberronchronicles.com. You are our dragon shards and keep this show powered 